0: And welcome back to Geeking with Destination Venus. Good evening, Reggie here again with an hour of geeky news, views and general stuff. And we are going to start with some local comics news, which is not entirely positive. It's very sad to have to say this, but Thought Bubble done made a bit of a mistake. So, you may remember that when Thought Bubble was getting going this year, they announced, as one of their headline guests, the writer Frank Miller. Now, at the time, I was pleased, because Miller is a major name, and we'll talk a bit more about Frank Miller in a bit. But I was also surprised, because Thorbubble has its culture, its soul, its ethos, if you like. And Miller didn't seem to be a particularly good fit for that. But, you know, he's a big star, I get why. He was invited. I do. I also got why some people were unhappy with Miller's invitation and I think to explain why we need to go into a little bit more about who and what Frank Miller is. So Frank Miller is an American writer. He's been around in the industry since the early 80s and in the 80s he produced some of the definitive work in the superhero genre, specifically He wrote Daredevil Man Without Fear, which is rightly still regarded as an absolute classic. He wrote Batman Year One and he wrote and illustrated Batman The Dark Knight Returns, which are regarded as pretty much the definitive origin story for Batman and the definitive ending of that story for Batman. So he's a big deal and his achievements cannot be dismissed. He's also, and this is unusual, even in American comics writers, he's also, loosely speaking, pretty much on the right wing. Now, I have no problem with that. I suspect if I were to meet Frank Miller, we wouldn't get on. I'm fairly sure if we talked about anything other than comics, we would probably disagree wildly. In fact, I think if we talked about comics, we'd probably disagree wildly. And that's cool. That's fine. I have no problem with that. I'm sure if I met Frank Miller in the bar we could have a beer and talk about Batman and Daredevil, and we'd get on fine. But that seminal Daredevil Batman work isn't the only thing that he's done. Now, some of it has been interesting and good. Personally, I'm a fan of his work on Sin City, and I quite liked 300, which was his rendition of the the Battle of Thermopylae. He took some liberties, doesn't everybody. But I think it's His work on 300, where something of a problematic nature started to appear in Miller's work. 300 came out in 1998, and it's a decent retelling of The Battle of Thermopylae. It paints the Greeks as the heroes, as they always are in Western literature. It paints the Persians as the villains, as they always are when that story is told. So far, so fine. There was just a hint, only a hint, but just a hint of a slightly uncomfortably racist attitude towards the Persians in that work. Not enough, I'll be very clear, not enough to make me hate the book, and I suppose that tells you something about my privilege, but enough to make me think, ooh, I'm not... that's... Yeah. There's also uh, been some criticism of the homophobia in the book, uh, bearing in mind that the Spartans were institutionally gay. That again sat uncomfortably with me, and I know I have gay friends who really did call that out at the time, and I, I sort of think I should have at that time too. I didn't. That's on me. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I started to see issues with frank miller's work and then september the 11th happened and you know we all know what happened on september the 11th 2001 we don't need to go into it and we know what the backlash was in the wake of that and actually quite a long way in the wake of that frank miller produced a book called holy terror now i've read holy terror i didn't pay money for it Uh, Back when it came out, uh, my predecessor at Destination Venus, Jack Sinclair, had a copy in the shop. He let me read it because he didn't want to sell it to anybody (laughs) because he hated it so much. Um, I read it and concurred. There is no question that Holy Terror is a vile piece of anti-Islamic, anti-Muslim garbage. It is a horrible, horrible, horrible book. There are very few things that I would not stock a Destination Venus. Um, as the proprietor, I get to decide what we stock. I can't stock everything. I have to choose. I tend to get in things that either I really like or that I know will sell. Uh, Holy Terror is neither of those things. But even if it was, um, I wouldn't get it in. I've always said that if somebody asks me for something, whether yeah, you know, if it's available, I will get it in, whether I approve of it or not. Turns out that's not true. Uh, On reflection, and, you know, I wouldn't have thought about it had this issue not come up. Um, On reflection, if somebody were to ask me for Holy Terror, I would simply say that I couldn't get it. I wouldn't even check. There is no way that work is coming through my shop. And if that makes me uh, a censor, then so be it. I don't think the book should be banned. Uh, I'm just not going to supply it to anybody. And believe me, If you, those those of you that are listening that know me and you know my views on censorship, it's a lot for me to say that. That's how awful it it is. It is the worst comic I've ever read. And bearing in mind that I own a copy of Jeffrey Dahmer versus Jesus Christ, which is basically a 21 page um, comic about a boxing match between Jeffrey Dahmer and Jesus Christ. uh, And it is every bit as offensive as that sounds. um, That's saying a lot. Okay. Now, that was in 2011. And Miller has, and I have to be fair here, he hasn't repudiated Holy Terror, but he has very clearly changed. He has stated in response to being questioned about Holy Terror that the book reflects where he was in his head at the time and that he does not think those things now. And he would not have written Holy Terror now. But the book is still in print, I think. It's certainly still available. I have seen it in stores relatively recently. And so people can still buy it. And people can still buy it and they can therefore say the hateful, racist, Islamophobic views that I hold clearly are held by this great hero of comics because here is this book which reports those views. And I don't think Miller, if he truly has changed his mind about this, I don't think he's done nearly enough to address that. But there is evidence that he has changed. Um, He has, I mean, he doesn't tweet much, but if you, I mean, I encourage you go and have a look at his Twitter feed. Um, He has tweeted in support of Black Lives Matter. He has uh, tweeted in support of uh, Stop Asian Hate. He has produced work in support of that cause And I think basically what this tells us is that people are complicated and it's never as easy or as simple as this guy's good, that guy's bad. It's never that simple. And that brings us to what's been happening at Thought Bubble this week. Now, I haven't reached out to anybody at Thought Bubble. I have contacts at Thought Bubble. Of course I do. Uh, I haven't reached out to them about this particular issue because, frankly, following the social media storm that's blown up around this they've got enough on their plate right now i will reach out and uh, see if i can have a bit of a chat once things have calmed down but for right now uh, i'm just going to leave them be so here's what happened when frank miller was announced as a guest at thought bubble a lot of people were not happy um a lot of people said he's not the right fit a lot of people said i'm sorry but frank miller and his views make me very uncomfortable several people said, if Frank Miller's coming, I'm not. Now, that is the right of all of those people to feel the way they feel. And I have no time for anybody who is chuntering about snowflakes and social justice warriors. If that's how they feel, that's how they feel. It took a very public statement from somebody, uh, a a Muslim, I think a Muslim creator. Uh, I don't know the person concerned. I'm not naming them because they've had enough grief on social media over this, and I do not want to throw them under the bus again. Uh, Let's just say somebody prominent in the comics community finally lost patience with Thought Bubble, who that person believed was dragging their feet on this issue and perhaps not taking the issue seriously, and went public and said, I and my company will not be going to Thought Bubble. This is why. We will not share a platform with this person. We will not work with an organisation that gives a platform to this person. Uh, We will have nothing to do with Frank Miller. And as a result, we're not coming to Thought Bubble. We're sorry. Um, It hurts us, but we're not doing it. We have to stand on principle in the end. Thought Bubble have responded. And uh, I'm just going to read you the statement that they've made, actually, because uh, I I think it's important. So here is what Thought Bubble had to say. Over the last 14 years, Thought Bubble has grown into an amazing community of comic creators and fans who we love, trust and respect. We've let you down. And in our commitment to maintaining Thought Bubble as a safe space for all, we have fallen short. We exist to share the art form and its worlds with people. If any individual, group or community feels uncomfortable or excluded from our show, then we've failed. We know that many of you are disappointed in us and have been expecting a comment on this before now. We are sorry for our silence while we've been trying to fix this. Frank Miller will not be attending Thought Bubble. We are deeply sorry, particularly to those who we should be standing up for the most. We hope that you can give us the opportunity to make this better and we thank you for holding us accountable. We know there is still much more to discuss, and we will be replying to those who have been in touch. We hope you can bear with us while we do this. We won't let you down again. Yours, Team Thought Bubble. Pretty comprehensive statement. Um, I've got a couple of things to say in response to it. First of all, um, that must have been difficult. Second of all, do you know what, t bubs you probably are going to let somebody down again, and I. I won't blame you if and when that happens. What I know about the team at Thought Bubble is that they really do try hard and that their hearts are absolutely in the right place. The very last thing anyone at Thought Bubble would have wanted to do is cause upset or make anyone feel uncomfortable. And that includes fans of Frank Miller. Uh, If you have already bought tickets for Thought Bubble on the strength of wanting to go and see Frank Miller and you want a refund, uh, the website makes it clear that you can do that um, equally if you had bought tickets and were then appalled that an organization such as Thoughtbubble would have anything to do with Frank Miller and you just don't want to have anything to do with t bulbs again um, I would hope you wouldn't do that but Thought Bubble appears to be very open to refunding ticket money if that's what you want on the back of this um Who's right? Who's wrong? That is impossible to say. I know who I agree with. I don't see that Thought Bubble had any option but to rescind Frank Miller's invitation because it was very clear. And if you look at the social media um, and the comment and the chat around this in the UK comics creating community, it's very, very clear that the vast majority of people who are part of the Thought Bubble community, the people who've been going to Thought Bubble since it started, the people who are the backbone of this great festival of ours, it's really clear that they were overwhelmingly not happy with the inclusion of Frank Miller. I think it's also pretty clear that an awful lot of people who would be attendees were not happy with the inclusion of Frank Miller and in the end any organisation has to look to its suppliers and to its customers and listen to what they want. I think inviting Frank Miller in the first place, with hindsight, was a mistake. I think it's a mistake that Thought Bubble has recognised, and I think that they've learnt from it. I really do think they've learnt from it. Now, whether you agree or not with the people who were against Frank Miller's inclusion with the people who were made to feel genuinely uncomfortable with Frank Miller's inclusion is irrelevant, really. Those people are allowed to feel how they feel, as you, if you disagree with them, are allowed to feel how you feel. It comes down to numbers. There were more people who didn't want Frank Miller there than do. Now, that must be quite hurtful to Frank Miller. And, you know, I'm a woolly liberal. I like to try and make everybody happy, but you can't do that. And something had to give. This is what gave. What does it mean for the future participation of people who hold different views? I don't know. I don't like the idea that comics is a closed shop, that you have to think a certain way, that you have to be a certain way in order to take part. And equally, I have to say, I am certain that that is not what comics is. In my perfect world, Frank Miller would probably have attended Thought Bubble and there would have been some challenge and some robust discussion and people may well have argued and people may well have had their minds changed or not changed and that would be great. The problem with that is that that's not what would have happened because some people would have felt intimidated and unable to speak uh, probably on both sides of the debate, actually. Um, there would have been an element of harassment and shouting down. I'm fairly sure some people would have attended Thought Bubble simply to have a massive argument. And that's not what Thought Bubble is. So I stated right at the beginning of this, this little diatribe that people are complex. People are not binary. People are not black and white. People are massive amounts of shades of grey. It is possible for a person to do good things while holding repugnant beliefs. It is possible for people to support progressive causes. Frank Miller, for instance, has tweeted in support of Black Lives Matter, um, whilst also holding racist views against other groups. So it's complicated. It's not a binary yes-no situation. The problem arises that attendance at a convention is you're either there or you're not. And I'd like to see this issue explored further. But Thought Bubble's not the place to do that. So I hope that we get to draw a line under this incident and that we move on and, you know, maybe just think about things a little bit more deeply. Before we take action next time in any direction, um, I absolutely 100% completely support the decision that Thought Bubble has now taken. I absolutely 100% completely support the objections of the people who didn't want Frank Miller to come. It's not for me to tell people that they shouldn't be uncomfortable. It's not for me to tell people that they shouldn't be offended. It's not for me to tell people that they're feeling something that's not real. There's likely to be more on this. Um, Things like this rarely go away quickly. Um, But it does show that organisations will listen if you think they've made a mistake. Perhaps not as quickly as you'd like. Questions have been asked about why it took Thought Bubble so long to respond to the criticism. There have been accusations levelled on social media that Thought Bubble invited Miller simply because they thought they'd make a lot more money if he came. It is worth pointing out that Thought Bubble is a non-profit organization. Uh, The money they raise through ticket sales and through selling stands to exhibitors like myself, I'll be there, um, is spent in two ways. It's spent on funding the event, paying for the invited guests to come over, paying for the venue, which, let me tell you, is very expensive, uh, and that kind of thing, the insurance and all of that anything that's left over any profit any surplus we can't call it profit because the company doesn't keep it any surplus money that's left over after all the bills have been paid goes to charity so you know thought bubble is not in it for the money nobody at thought bubble is in it for the money good god nobody in comics is in it for the money because there's no money to be had so that certainly was never their motivation uh, they have Called themselves naive. I think that's fair. Are there still people who were very angry with Thought Bubble? Yes. Are those people right to be angry? They're allowed to feel how they feel. I'm not angry with Thought Bubble. I'm disappointed that this happened. I wish it hadn't. And I wish things had gone down in a different way. But we are where we are. And I guess that's all we need to say for now. And yes, the old Geeks at the Gate stinger there, demonstrating that the line has been drawn and that topic of conversation is very definitely over for now. Uh, If you have opinions, if there are things you want to say, info at destinationvenus.co.uk. I'm actually genuinely interested in hearing the views of people, Um, whether you think Thought Bubble was wrong to invite Miller in the first place, whether you don't understand what the fuss is about whether you think that the whole thing is politically correct nonsense, whatever you think. I can't promise to agree with you, but I'm here to listen. I want to know what people think. Moving on. Um, We are coming to the final part of the conversation between me and Alice about The Lord of the Rings. And when I say the final part, the final part of the conversation we've already had. We will be coming back to this uh, as soon as me and Alice can schedule another chat. Because as you'll hear, there's an awful lot more to say. We do go off on a couple of tangents because, hey, it's this show. Um, But we were talking at the end of the last excerpt um, about the relationship between Frodo and Sam and the way that that has been read by various members of the audience. So without further ado, Let's drop in on that conversation where Reggie, that's me. Why am I talking about myself in the third person? Ugh, It's never a good sign. Where I am suggesting to Alice that there's a lot to talk about in that relationship.
1: Oh, (laughs) yeah. That's quite
0: that comes across quite differently in the books and the films, at least. I read them very differently in the books and the films.
1: Mm.
0: Because in the books, Frodo is a lot older than Sam. Mm. You know, Sam's barely a kid and Frodo's in his 50s, which is young for a hobbit, but still is a lot older than Sam. Mm. Whereas in the m- films, they're pretty much... They seem like childhood friends. Yeah, they're pretty much the same age. They're both young, but they're pretty much the same age. So when, in the books, when Sam's given it all... I love you, Mister Frodo. Now, don't you leave me, Mister Frodo. It comes across more as more as somebody looking up to a father figure, if that makes sense. Although there are also some okay. there are also some class connotations in the relationship between Sam and Frodo in the books. But let's not go there right now.
1: Um, well, yeah, and also I, I I saw that discourse not too long ago, and to be honest, I kind of find it a little bit ridiculous. But that's just.
0: But in the. It, it, in the films because they're the same age i think and there's there's also something in the way that um the actors play it Mm -hmm. uh yeah sean astin and um oh my god i've forgotten the name of the actor that plays frodo Uh, elijah wood thank you uh the way the way sean austin and elijah Wood play it there's it the relationship plays differently and i think it's really really interesting and unusual because you know there are lots of there's lots of comment online if you choose to look for it about the inherent gayness of Sam and Frodo,
1: and I think that's what I mean. I know back in the day that was a bit of a joke, mm. but now some people actually have decided yes, we're actually going to read that as a queer relationship. I don't and... think that I actually genuinely don't. But then there's. I'm going to link this to it to mm-hmm. you, but there is this really great video made by a bisexual brand uh YouTuber mm-hmm. about arguing how The Lord of the Rings is very bisexual. Mm-hmm. And it actually is quite an interesting reading of not just the books, but of the films. I'd be interested in that. Um, be genuinely interested um, to read that. I'm 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 gonna find the Link now. I can talk and uh, find the you, link for I'm you. Asking. Well, <laughs> um, and I would be interested in hearing your thoughts on it after you watch the video. Obviously, you can't watch it now. Okay, well,
0: uh, we'll do that. I'll tell you what my thoughts are before I've watched it, and then we'll see if my mind changes. Okay. Because actually, what I like about the relationship between Sam and Frodo in the films is that I don't see it as a queer relationship. I really enjoy it as an extremely rare, as in I don't think I've seen it in any, in any other kind of film, an extremely rare portrayal of a very close, loving male friendship. Almost a, it's a, we don't have a word for it in English, I don't think. It's part of my problem. The closest we've got is bromance, which absolutely doesn't work in this context. Mm. But I I liked that it showed us a, a very close, clearly very loving male friendship that was completely asexual. And I don't know, I think, to the point that, I think, were I to if i was going to try and put a queer label on this and i don't think it needs one but if i were i would suggest that frodo at least is a romantic asexual character okay you've gone very pixelated
1: yeah i i couldn't hear you for a bit
0: <laughs> again i was rambling on <sighs> again although i don't know how much of the, the point i was just trying to make you heard um but to to deramble it and and mm-hmm. make it succinct. What I enjoy about the relationship between Frodo and Sam is that it's a non-sexual, but close and loving male friendship. And these mm. these relationships exist in real life, but we rarely see them in any kind of media.
1: Yeah, and I I totally get where you're coming from. So not only sorry, no, you go.
0: No, I was just going to say. So Sam clearly isn't gay. Could be bi. The existence of Goldilocks suggests that he ain't gay. And yes, there's a whole conversation we can have about that, but I don't think Lord of the Rings is is Mm. that complex in that area of character. Mm. So Sam could be bi. But I think if we were going to put a queer label on Frodo, I I would say he was a romantic asexual, in that he he clearly feels very deeply, in a way that you could say was romantic, about Sam in the films. Uh, not in the books, but in the films, I think you could make that argument. But I don't. There's, there's no sense in Elijah Wood's performance of any kind of sexual desire for anybody. Mm. However, however deeply he feels about Merry and Pippin, and he does, and Sam, there's no sense that he's romant—he's—he's he's sexually interested in anybody. Mm. But he is quite a romantic character. So, if we're going to label people, I I would say, I would say that that was a rom- a romantic asexual relationship. So, you know, that's my two But again, I have to um, acknowledge I'm both cis and het. So, <laughs> so I'm speaking from a position of not knowing what I'm talking about.
1: Um. Well, I've not only linked the video in question, but I've also um, linked a article as well, which I think kind of really coincides. i mean i won't go into it too much today because i would be interested in hearing your thoughts about these Mm -hmm. the the article and the video i think before we and the these both also touch up on this as well so i understand that um because i think this also coincides with my thoughts on death the author Mm -hmm. i think because that is something that is touched upon in both the video and the article Mm -hmm. and i think that is some and I have my issues with death. Of the author, I think you still need to respect the intention of the author, or not completely go against what the author. I mean, sometimes the author won't even establish something like somebody's sexuality.
0: Yeah, certainly. But I... sorry, sorry. Just certainly, if I was to put my professional hat on as a reader, you can read whatever you like into. Oh yeah, reading your reading. absolutely. But. You do at least have to acknowledge that the author would have had an intention.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I never really, like I said, when I was younger, when the films came out, the whole uh, Sam and Frodo being gay thing was a joke. And the thing is, the actors didn't even mind that reading. They were like, fine, you can, you know, read them as gay as you want to. I I don't know if you ever saw any um, interviews. Oh, many. Saw them in any. Many, many, many. So you know that Elijah Wood and Sean Astin have never really been hugely bothered about people reading them as gay. They were like, fine, you know, but, by all
0: means. I, and I don't see really why they would.
1: But, you know, when you get some, well, we, we can't not discuss it, but um, I think it was was it Anthony Mackie's recent comments about. Uh, yes,
0: I, I, I have to throw in a heavy yes book there in that I, it's not to say that he was quoted out of context.
1: Oh, yeah, he totally was. He, really and was, he, was, fact- he absolutely manoeuvred
0: into that position.
1: Oh, he was. And I think that is, the thing is, people that were immediately, when people were immediately saying, oh, he's homophobic for saying this, I kind of felt a bit, well, actually, no, he's not, I don't feel like he was saying that. All he was saying was that, as you were saying about Sam and Frodo earlier, Just now, Mm. that this is simply a really close friendship, which isn't seen much before, but we shouldn't automatically assume that because somebody, you know, two men have a close friendship, they must be gay. Uh, Yeah. And I think that is, in a way, that there are some issues there about masculinity. All that just shows that there are some issues that we have as a culture about masculinity, about and men too showing affection or love towards one another and it being coded or being seen as. Mm. effeminate and therefore gay rather than oh no these are two men that really care about each other
0: that's that's another thing isn't necessarily a thing that that to be effeminate is to be gay and that to be gay is to be effeminate it's Mm -hmm. if yeah anybody who's paying attention to actual people knows that that's nonsense yeah um you know i i myself have on occasion been called effeminate (laughs) um i'm not particularly big i'm quite lightly built i'm um, I'm I'm um, I'm not into macho stuff. So yeah, I've been called effeminate. I'm I'm not gay. I have some gay friends who are astonishingly macho. So you know, the...
1: yeah, it's why it's why I start find it so funny when people say that oh, all gay men are camp or effeminate. It's like wow, you've really not met many gay men, have you?
0: <laughs> I mean, somehow. No, I mean, I mean, yeah. The the whole thing is that whole argument. I think comes from a place of ignorance. Uh, oh yeah, and I, I think I think the thing with Mackie was a little bit engineered to get him in trouble.
1: Oh yeah, and and for it to ha- and let's face it, it happened over Pride Month, wasn't it? Mm. And the thing that really gets to me is that this happened to an African American man. I,
0: I know again, I make no comment on it. I simply notice that they didn't throw the white guy under the bus. Mm. Now it could be. Because Sebastian Stan has actually talked about this in a kind of, mm. man, if that's how you want to read it, then you read it like that. That's no problem with me. You know, It could just be that, he is, that Sebastian Stan is genuinely cooler about it than yeah. Mackie is. But it seems to me, reading the interview in full, that Mackie was kind of chucked under the bus in a way that Sebastian Stan wasn't.
1: Oh, yeah. And the thing is, is that, yeah, and somebody pointed out, and I think... That was a really like perfect, you know. Somebody articulated the whole situation perfectly. That you know, he he clearly wasn't prepped for that kind of question or how to deal with that kind of
0: question
1: mm. or that topic without, and not even to give a you know a rehearsed answer, but how to approach or deal oh, with. Yeah, uh, yeah, I also got question, the impression that to he genuinely just where he can about. and be, and to be able to answer honestly and to word it in a way where he wouldn't have come across as well, the way that he has come across or been interpreted, mm. and personally, I think he just like like we've just said now that he is just doesn't he doesn't want every single male geo to be read as gay just because they're close. That's mm. I think that's all he's saying. Yeah. And, I, and, and I think that's a very reasonable. But point. that's not to say that you're not allowed to ship what you want to ship. Go ahead, yeah. like go go nuts yeah, no, no, <laughs> as far as shipping is concerned. Yeah. I, 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 uh, no.
0: That's that's exactly what I'd say. If you want to ship Frodo and Sam, ship Frodo and Sam. I've got no problem with it. I don't think that was the author's intent, but so what? I I, I the same with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. If you want to ship them, ship them. You want to, if you want to write that fanfic, you go ahead and write it. I I, I actually don't think it's there, but
1: so what? I've not watched it. I've heard good things. It's very it's another very good. Disney show that I've heard.
0: It is very good, best of the Disney shows, but it's a good one.
1: But yeah,
0: so, mm. so yeah.
1: I think. I think it's just that, yeah, that whole situation was a bit of a mess. And I kind of felt sorry for Anthony Mackie, because the thing is, if he doesn't see, if he doesn't ship them, he doesn't have to. No,
0: no. <laughs> um, I, I it's, it's, again, he's entitled to his interpretation of the role mm. and he's probably more. I think it's
1: just, uh, yeah, like, I, I thinking, think it's just unfortunately it was worded yeah. awkwardly. I think That's it, is, it. It. it
0: is a question of poor wording. It's a question he wasn't expecting to have to answer. And as I said, I, I, I genuinely think he actually hadn't given the, the idea any thought at all because it hadn't occurred to him. Mm. He knew how he was mm. playing the character, and you know he, he he knew exactly what his interpretation of the relationship was because he was damn well playing it. So, well, yeah, quite. <clears throat> so, I I think it's fair to say that the the, the concept simply hadn't occurred to him.
1: Mm. And, and I and I just think, unfortunately, you know, I don't want to say it's all shippers. I'm speaking as a shipper.
0: Oh, I know. I've seen on Twitter feed. If,
1: Mm. I think some shippers get a little bit too precious about their ships and I think they take anyone uh, even the actor as choosing to not ship it or see it that way as an attack and Mm. it's getting a little bit silly People, Um, (laughs) People get very
0: attached to their theories and people are getting increasingly intolerant of particularly people who are Part, part of the actual manufacture of the thing they've got their theory about. People who are actually from the shows that they've got their fan theories about or whatever, disagreeing with them. They're, they're, people are getting very intolerant of that. As you say, that it's, hmm. people are beginning to see it as an attack.
1: Uh, I mean... Um, but I think in equal measure, thankfully, some people aren't... That, so I think there are just as many... It could be, but the reality is that actually those people are in the minority and most people don't see it as attack, just see it as fiction. This is just fun. It's just a, you know, just a. Mm. They will just see fandom as a way of getting away from reality. And if somebody says, whether it be the actor or not, that say, "Oh, I don't ship it," or oh, "I don't see it that way," they'll just say, "Okay, that's your opinion." But mm. eh. yeah,
0: yeah, um, and you know what? In a civilized world, people could actually have a, a an actual pleasant conversation about why one sees it one way and one sees it the other way.
1: Mm. Well, yeah. We don't, like, actually,
0: we don't actually live in one of those worlds, but in a civilized <laughs> world, one could do that.
1: Yeah. And it's just, it is, I I—I have seen some of the most ridiculous arguments, Like, there's one that I won't get into too much because this is something that happened kind of behind closed doors. And when I say that, I mean like a private group. Mm-hmm. And one person, and this was somebody who was very clearly after a bit of a after a bit of a fight, they had said that this person had been a bit aggressive for a few days over this ship. Mm -hmm. And basically, when somebody kind of objected to their ship or asked them politely, can we not talk about this ship or your ship? Because actually your ship, and by the way, you are more than entitled to ship it, but it makes me a little bit uncomfortable and then they brought up their head, you know, and they didn't even frame this as a head canon. Mm-hmm. But somebody basically said, "Oh, such and such should have been." And I'm being as vague as I can here, just in case the people in question ever appeared, that, you know. And I, and I wanted to keep this for the sake of anonymity, yeah, anonymity, because this conversation happened in the DMs. But basically, somebody said, "Oh, this character should have been had this sexuality." And said, "Well, that's not the case because that wouldn't make sense for the rest of the the rest." Of the show or for their character Mm -hmm. and and then they said oh but it's it's just a headcanon oh you're being ridiculous and well you didn't frame it that way and you're very clearly after a fight here anyway long story short it ended in this person being accused of biphobic when this person is bisexual and it just really didn't make any sense as to how we jumped from
0: these arguments never do though do they
1: And it's, yeah, Yeah. so I I do find the whole landscape of, like I said, there are plenty of shippers who are starting to see how ridiculous this is. I do think this is the majority of people who find that kind of behaviour ridiculous and intolerable. I think it's just unfortunately the minority who will stir up the pot. And unless you know, loads of people don't understand the full context of the situation. This is where be, herd mentality comes in. There's always going to be somebody who wants to have
0: a fight about something because they want to make a point about something else, about you know how progressive they are or how how anti progressive they are or or yeah whatever. There's, there's always going to be somebody who wants to do that.
1: I think the other problem as well is that people it's all they almost see this kind of thing social activism and it's not or they see representation as a means of validation or again social activism which I don't think it is I think for me um shipping is something or like reading like I said or going back to Fredo and Sam reading them as queer is kind of the way that I see fiction is a way of me exploring my own Identity. So in this case, exploring my own bisexuality mm-hmm. or my own queerness or processing it. And I might discuss this, you know, in our next meeting, cause I'm probably about to run out of time.
0: I think um, I, was, I was just about to say the same thing. You you sound as though we're about to go into, into fairly serious territory.
1: Just at the uh, point yeah. where
0: we both got to stop.
1: Which is,
0: um, which is, I have to say, excellent timing. Yeah. So okay shall we yeah shall we wrap that there and uh come back to the deep yeah. profound profundity of, of what you're about to get into uh next yeah
1: time. um yeah because i think uh probably want to have a thing or formulate my thoughts on that particular well, thing and also i'd be very interested in hearing your thoughts on the article and the video
0: yeah Oh, there you have it. We have very, very definitely opened a can of worms. It's a huge rabbit hole and there's a lot more to discuss, which we will do. There are links to various things about that discussion in the show notes. We haven't linked to the article and the video that Alice refers to, uh, largely because we're going to talk about those at a later date and we'll share them then. I think it makes more sense to do it that way round. So, onwards to the next thing, which, of course, is this. It is time for our Comics of the Week. And honestly, this week I have been spoiled for choice. So, and this segment could have gone on for hours. But since we don't have hours, I've selected just two. And we're going to start with a comic called Bermuda. It's published by Dark Horse and it's... That's a fairly familiar trope, really. It's the, the sort of lost world idea. We start aboard the private jet We're of a rich family. The two kids of a aforementioned family are flying from New York to Bermuda to take in the sights, bit of culture, and uh, they hit a storm. And we all know what happens to aircraft that fly into storms near Bermuda. Yep, they go through a dimensional portal or some such thing and end up disappearing and reappearing in a strange new world with giant chameleons and fish people, and a girl called Bermuda. She rescues one of the siblings, the other sibling is taken away to a fate, well, who knows what fate, and we focus on Bermuda herself. Sixteen, snarky, scrappy, and perfectly c- capable of living in this strange world of, Full of dark magicians and monsters and stuff but the weird new kid may be the biggest challenge that she's ever had to face because he wants to escape and no one has ever done that before it's good fun this uh it written by uh, john Lehman with art by nick bradshaw it's just exactly what it sounds like it's a fun Adventurous romp. There's no pretension here. There's no. This is a deep and meaningful metaphor story. It's just a fast, crazy adventure, which 20 odd pages in, I'm already totally here for. Really is massive amounts of fun. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's one of those books that remembers not everything has to be serious, but just because it's not serious, doesn't mean it has to be silly this is a book that respects you as a reader whilst also saying shall we just have a laugh shall we do that it's great uh it's if you you like jumanji or any film with a rock in it you'll love this it's it's just great it's just it's as far away from the pretentiousness of lost as it's possible to get which i think is a good place to be so that's Bermuda." I'm also going to recommend for you Savage Hearts. Now, this is another title in the continued resurgence of the fantasy genre in comics. We've had a new iteration of Conan over at Marvel for a couple of years now. And, you know, just recently we've had things like Barbaric. Um, I suppose Bermuda would fall into this slot, really. And now we've got um, Savage Hearts. This is a bit of a genre bender, which I like. Um, it's from uh, the writer Aubrey Citizen, who's got a bit of a background in this. He had a series called No One Left to Fight uh, a couple of years ago, which was also pretty cool. Um, This is a romance barbarian fantasy thing. Uh, Basically, we have a female barbarian leading an exposition through the jungle to do something. I forget what. It's not really important. The quest isn't the point here. Um, She's heartbroken. Her lover has been taken from her by the evil wizard. And she's lashing out and not very happy. And as they go through the valley, through the jungle, they meet a guide, a jungle guide. He's lonely and he... Talks to dinosaurs, because of course he does. There are laughs here, there's action here, the romance is real. There's a real feeling of not rom com, but a sort of rom com. There's a bit of a moonlighting vibe going on, if I'm honest. And it is kind of refreshing to see that the big burly hero is the girl in this relationship, and the person who always needs rescuing is the dude, because, you know. Okay, it's 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 not exactly revolutionary to turn a trope on its head like that, but it's nice when people make the effort. So those are my two comics of the week. This week there are others I could have recommended. There's a new Superman title out. Uh, Marvel have revised the Amazing Fantasy title, which obviously is the title that introduced Spider-Man back in the day. Uh, there's just there's an awful lot of good stuff. I can only suggest that you um, get yourselves online and check it out. You could, of course, go to www.destinationvenus.co.uk and take a look at our What's on the Rack feature this week. Uh, But other comic shops are available. So, you know, I don't want to turn this into an advert for the shop. I'm always doing this just to promote the brilliance of comics. So, yeah, check it out wherever you choose to check it out. If you are passing uh, the Everyman Cinema and you fancy coming to see us under the stairs, just drop in and say hi. No purchase necessary. We'll talk about comics with anybody for as long as you like. And speaking of no purchase necessary, you may remember over the last couple of weeks, I've mentioned something called free comic book day. I've been pushing it kind of hard because it's a big deal for me. Uh, it always has been, even before I end a comic shop. I love free comic book day. It is genuinely a chance for people who perhaps don't normally read comics to pick something up at no financial risk to themselves and see what it's all about and if you are already into comics it's a chance to try out try out new stuff you know have a go at things that you maybe you think you'd like but you don't want to commit and just you know just pick it up it's not going to cost you any money try it out if you don't like it you've lost nothing if you do like it maybe you've found a new favorite so you know free comic book day is a great and wonderful thing now traditionally it has always been on the first saturday in may now, clearly, in 2020 and in 2021, that has not been an option. Last year, as uh, lockdowns in both North America and the UK started to wind back in the summer, having missed Free Comic Book Day, all of that stuff was, you know, sort of available. I mean, I closed in March uh, in 2020 already with a box full of stuff for Free Comic Book Day uh, in my stockroom. We had all that stuff. So we made summer 2020 the free comic book summer. Didn't really work as well as we would have liked. It lacked that hard focus of a single day that free comic book day brings. So we're not doing that this year. The original plan, and I'm going to be honest, I have paid for some advertising uh, around this original plan. So I'm slightly miffed that this is not what we're doing now. But. The original plan was that free comic book day was going to be Saturday, the 14th of August. It was going to be just like an ordinary free comic book day, the way things have always been over the last 20 years. they you know, big rack full of comics. People can come, take what they want. Everything is available until we run out, at which point offer only available while stocks last. And I was really looking forward to it. And I still am but we can't do it on August the 14th. The reason we can't is very, very simple. We're not sure we're going to have all the comics available by then. See, Free Comic Book Day isn't just come and pick up some comics for free. Obviously, there are comics that are specially created for the event. It's a carefully curated uh, selection of comics put out by the various publishers to show people a representative selection of what what's coming up what's available now uh, and yeah yeah let's be honest it's also a way that publishers promote various things that they want to promote so there's a whole raft of special comics that are coming in the problem is international shipping is whack at the moment it's just so far out of normal circumstances pretty much every week now I I'm discovering that comics I was expecting to come in haven't arrived because they're still in a shipping container uh, an airport in America somewhere because they've not been able to get them on the plane. Uh, a plane's left early, a plane's left late, uh, stuff didn't get to the airport on time. Because, I mean, you'll be aware, you've seen the news. We are having a problem in the UK with, with shipping. Uh, there aren't enough drivers to, to ship the things from warehouse to store that we would normally have. Uh, it's the same in North America. They're having exactly the same problems. Either yeah, people don't want to do the job anymore because they're worried about COVID, or people have actually got COVID, or people are having to isolate because they've been exposed to somebody with COVID. It's exactly the same in North America as it is here. And that's causing huge problems. Last Friday, Diamond... Uh, emailed all the UK retailers and just said, look, we're not in a position to guarantee that all of the titles you need for free comic book day will be with you by August the 14th. We simply cannot guarantee that. You do with this information as you will. You can either just do it, do free comic book day on the 14th with whatever it is you got by then, or you can put it back a bit And we should have everything with you by August the 28th. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to leave it a fortnight and move everything back just to give Diamond space to work. They really are doing their best. These are not ideal circumstances for anybody. So, you know, let's cut everybody some slack. We'll move the date to August the 28th and we'll go from there. It will still be the same event you know, there'll still be free comics. It'll just be a fortnight later. So if you had already penciled the 14th of August into your diaries, please rub that out. Or if you put it in an ink, just cross it out. That works too. And put Saturday the 28th of August into your diaries for free comic book day 2021. I will have um, more about what's going on with free comic book day closer to the time and i probably will mention every week between now and then that the date has changed because you know i don't want people to miss it and equally i don't want people to make a special trip in on august the 14th to discover that nothing's happening that day so you know if you have been telling people about free comic book, free comic book day uh, i'd appreciate it if you would uh, spread the word a little bit okay and finally for this week there is of course this. Science. We'll keep the science brief this week. We don't have a lot of time left in the show uh, and you know th- I've not spotted that much science this week really. I've been far too busy following the Olympics. Uh, so one thing I did want to highlight was that uh, new images from uh, the exceptionally Impressive large millimetre, submillimeter array at Atacama in Chile has made some remarkable observations which may, just may, show moons forming around a planet in another solar system. Uh, it's a Jupiter-like world um, and it seems to be surrounded by a disk of material that's got enough stuff in it to make maybe two-and-a-half moons the size of our own moon. Um, So, in the uh, July 22nd uh, online astrophysical journal Letters, researchers have reported that they've seen this disk that could be forming moons. Now this just blows my mind. It can tell us so much about how solar systems form, about how moons form. This is all helping our understanding of the way the solar system, the way the universe actually works, the way things are put together. But that's not why it blows my mind. I mean, yes, that's fantastic. Um, I love that we're, we're putting together this fundamental understanding of how things are built. But this... Is something we're observing taking place around a planet in another solar system? Just just think about that for a second. We're looking at a planet about 370 light years from Earth, which means what we're looking at through the telescope at Atacama happened 370 years ago. That's how long the light from this event has taken to get to us. That is so far away and we can see this happening we can look through a telescope and we can see something going on that far away that's mind-blowing I thought it was impressive the very first time we detected an exoplanet that is to say a planet orbiting a sun that is not our sun and we did that by measuring the wobble of the star as the gravity of the planet affected the position of the star. That was impressive, but that wasn't optical data. We've got a picture of this, it's in the show notes. For goodness sake, this is just magnificent astronomy. I am so, so, so impressed by this. And yes, the picture's not very good, and perhaps we are spoiled by the brilliance of Hubble. Uh, nice to have a whole boy. Um, but just the, just the, 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 the achievement of actually taking a picture of something that far away and being able to interpret it is just beyond, beyond, beyond. And what, what is truly inspiring about this is that this is what we're doing with the technology we've got now. 25, 30 years ago, we couldn't have got anywhere near this. Can you imagine what we'd be able to, to envisage and to see in 20 years from now, 25 years from now? The boundaries of knowledge are just getting pushed back. I'm not going to go into a big explanation of exactly what it is that's been seen. Uh, there are links to the appropriate article in the show notes. Uh, it would take too long to go into here. And honestly, I need to do some more reading anyway before I'm sure that I understand it. So um Just check that out in the show notes. It's truly, truly impressive work. Okay, that's about it for the science and indeed everything else this week. Uh, We're pretty much at the end of the show, just a minute or two to go, in which I will seize the opportunity to tell you that Geeking with Destination Venus is a copyright feature of Venus Rising Media, uh, all rights are reserved. But Having said that, we don't really care if you share it. In fact, we'd encourage you to do so. Uh, just don't pretend it was yours. Why on earth would you? Who on earth, who on earth would claim to have made this that hadn't done so? So, yeah, you know, if you would like what you're hearing, please tell us. Uh, and indeed, tell a friend. If you don't like what you're hearing, please tell us. Don't tell your friends. Just tell us. We'll fix it. Uh, as ever, uh, feedback, suggestions, complaints, praise, whatever you want, can be sent to us at info at destinationvenus.co.uk. We're always happy to hear from our listeners. And uh, indeed, some of our best features have come from listener interaction. So we're here to listen if you're out there wanting to talk. Uh, And I guess that really is it. All that remains is for me to remind you To be kind to yourself, to be kind to everybody else, to stay safe, to stay geeky. Until the very next time, we see you here again when we'll all just go geeking. Bye bye.